like to think tonight devotionally of just a verse. It's a phrase that's mentioned several times in Nehemiah and chapter 2. And the phrase is this, the good hand of God upon us. It's mentioned in verse 18. Then I told them of the hand of my God which was good upon me. This is one of those phrases in the Bible that occurs a remarkable number of times. The Bible speaks of God's fingers in creation, showing of his design. It speaks of his right hand, usually signifying power, sustaining power, to keep us and to hold us. It speaks of an outstretched arm, showing of his love and mercy, usually to gather and to care. But this phrase here, the hand of the Lord, the good hand of the Lord. What does that refer to? Does that mean that God literally has a hand? I don't think so. We tend to think of God in a very human way, but of course his attributes are beyond our comprehension and his appearance, well, there are pictures in God's word, but it's not helpful to think in physical terms of God's appearance apart from the brightness and the holiness and the purity of God. So what does this phrase mean? The good hand of God. Well, we thought of the human hand. Some of us went to a talk at the beginning of the year, Professor Stuart Burgess, a global expert in the design of the human hand. An astonishing talk. The capacities that the human hand has. And I really think the expression, the good hand of God, that's what we should think of. What the hand is capable of doing. It's a metaphor. It's a picture. And I think it's very helpful for us tonight to look at it. I don't think I'm going to tell you anything new tonight. Sometimes in the Christian life, we turn to God's word and we see things genuinely new. We've never seen it before. Well, I don't think there'll be anything quite like that. But you know, just as often or perhaps more often, we need to be reminded of things that we once knew and things that we still know, but we forget to put them into practice. We have to be reminded of exactly what God says again and again and again. And so that's a phrase for us tonight. Just look at the context and we'll look at some other uses of it, but without referring to the text. But look at Nehemiah 2 and verse 17. This is what Nehemiah says. We've read in the chapter of how they are gathered to return and Ezra and Nehemiah, they overlap slightly. But here <coughs> Nehemiah says, Then said I unto them. He's speaking to the Jews, the priests, the rulers, the nobles, and those that were going to do the work. And he says, Ye see the distress. What a position to be in. Jerusalem, the picture of God's church on earth. The picture of God's power and the picture of our heavenly Jerusalem. And it lies in waste. Its walls have been knocked down. They've been burned. The gates have been destroyed with fire. 
And Nehemiah, who's a man of God, who looks and sees this devastation, his heart is cut up. How can he look at such things and not do something about it? Do we feel that way about the church? The church at large and the church locally? Are we distressed when we see Jerusalem lieth in waste, the gates burned? And so he says, come, let's gather together. Let's build up the walls of Jerusalem again. And he says that at the moment we're a reproach. That word means we're a laughingstock. We're just scoffed at, sneered at. We should think that way about the church. The church which is so insignificant in this country. And the church that lies in waste compared to its former glories. It's not that, that way across the world. There's <clears throat> places across the world with huge blessing going on, but it's true of us today. So that's the context. Nehemiah says, look, we're in a mess. I'm distressed. I can't stay here in Babylon and I've got the letters. We've got to go and we've got to do the work. Then what does he do with the rabble, the rabble of people some 50,000 or so that have traveled or going to travel what will he do to stir them up well the expression that's used is simply this then I told them of the hand of my God that's enough he doesn't need to tell them anything else he just tells them about God and what God is capable of doing not with his physical hand, but metaphorically with the hand of God. Then I told them of my God which was good upon me. What a delightful phrase. That's enough, isn't it, for us tonight. This is what he did to encourage them and this is what we can do to encourage ourselves. Well, you think of your two hands. You've got eight fingers, and so I've got eight points tonight. They all begin with G. Maybe we can remember. You can see how many you remember tonight when you get home. Eight reminders of what God's hand is capable of and words that remind us of his character and particularly of how he deals with us. This is what Nehemiah says. I want to remind you, if I look back through history, if I look at my own experience, he says, I can tell you of how God has dealt with me. And that will stir you up and that will encourage you. So as we come to prayer, and as we remind ourselves of the Christian life at large, we can say eight things very briefly. Firstly, it's here in the text. God's dealings with us are always good, always. We don't think it. We sometimes think that he's depriving us, he's neglecting us, he's not answering us. But Nehemiah says, no, God's dealings with us are always good, always. There's not been an exception. You look back and you can see it. At the time, you don't always see it, neither do I. And looking to the future with all the worries and the cares and how we're going to rebuild the walls. 
well, how can we say that God is good when we've got such a big task to do? But, says Nehemiah, I told them of the hand of my God, which was good. He's looking back. He's drawing comfort. Can we not do that tonight? Look back in your life, how God took you from the gutter, spiritually, morally speaking. And we can say, this is a good hand. Secondly, whose hand is it? It's a godly hand, a godly hand, the divine hand, the hand that only knows how to do good. It cannot do anything else. This is a holy hand, and his purposes are pure, they're perfect, and the way he deals with us is immaculate. These are perfect hands because they're godly Hands. I'm not using them in a physical sense, but in everything that God organizes, allows, permits, these are godly hands. And the same godly hands that created the earth and that sent Jesus Christ to deal with human sin. We can say they're good and they're godly hands. Thirdly, can we not say of this hand that was good upon me, that they were gracious, giving hands. Some hands take. The enemies of God have a fist, an iron fist that wants to hit the desk, that wants to rule with an iron rod, but not God's hand. They're gracious, giving hands. If you go through a trial currently, if your experience, a bit like Nehemiah, is that you're distressed, something in your life is disturbing you, can you not say that the hand of God is good, it's godly, and it's a gracious hand? He giveth more grace as our burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength as our labours increase. To added affliction he addeth his mercy. To multiply trials, he multiplies peace. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving has only begun. These are gracious, good hands which give and give and give again. Or can we not say as well that they're generous hands? They don't just give. The gifts that they give are way above what we need, certainly what we deserve, and they're hands that keep replenishing. Again and again we use up some of God's resources, we use up all of our own resources, as the hymn that I've just quoted says, but God gives all things richly to enjoy. We can say as well that these hands of God, they're guarding hands, hands that protect. You think of the hand of a parent <coughs> caring for a child, maybe protecting the eyes or the face or some danger is at hand. And those hands guard. 
That's what the Lord does for us. He sometimes guards us from ourselves. Our own worst character guards us from the world, guards us from falling and slipping from so many dangers. He keeps us. But we can say as well that they're guiding hands, guiding hands. They show us the right way. The hand points and says, this is the way. Walk therein. Don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. Do what's right before me. Have a clear conscience. Live your life at peace with God and then it doesn't matter what else happens, really. If you have peace with God because you have a clear conscience, it doesn't matter what others do. And that's the hand that guides us and shows us how to live supremely in a way that's pleasing to God. Let me turn you just to one more reference for our two final points. Turn back to Ezra and we see the expression Ezra chapter 7. Perhaps we read from verse 27. Ezra 7, just a few pages before. This is Ezra writing. Ezra 7, 27. Blessed be the Lord God of our fathers. He's looking back. Which hath put such a, a thing as this in the king's heart. If you remember, there'd been this astonishing gift by the king, Cyrus initially, and then Artaxerxes. And the king was willing to allow Jews to go back to Jerusalem. No personal benefit, it seems, apart from that he became a very popular king. And he says, which have put such a thing as, as this in the king's heart to beautify the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem. This is what God's done in the past. Verse 28. And here's the seventh one. A gentle hand. And hath extended mercy unto me. It's personal, isn't it? Nehemiah speaks of the goodness of the Lord towards him personally. And Ezra here says, and hath extended mercy unto me. He doesn't deal with us en masse. We're not a number in a crowd. He deals with us individually. He hath extended mercy unto me before the king and his counsellors and before all the king's mighty princes and I was strengthened. Here's the phrase again, verse 28. As the hand of the Lord my God was upon me. And what does it do? It's a gentle, merciful hand. And eighthly, it's a gathering hand. I gathered together out of Israel chief men to go up with me. That's what the Lord does. He gathers. He gathers the lost, the blind, the deaf, the sick, morally speaking. He gathers the wanderer, the backslider. This is the hand of God. It gathers gathers us together as we come tonight to pray. Just a small number, but as we found, great things can happen when we gather together. So this is the hands of God, good hands, godly hands, giving hands, giving gracious hands, generous hands, guarding hands, guiding hands, gentle hands, and gathering hands. Hands. No wonder that Nehemiah can say in chapter 2, 
and verse 18. I told them, this rabble of gathered Jews who didn't really want to do the work, it seems. They came back maybe just to get away for old time's sake because of their ancestors. And Nehemiah has to raise them, stir them. He has to encourage them to get down to the work as a godly leader. And he was a great leader, Nehemiah. He has to speak to them of their God. That's what we do. We speak of our God, what God has done. Because what God has done, God will do. If God has helped in the past, and surely he has, he'll help me in the present, he'll help me in the future. We have those amongst us who have burdens, those loved ones in hospital. And tonight we can remember, as Nehemiah did, we see the distress that we're in in different ways in life. And I told them of the hand of my God. Oh, isn't that a grand thing to say? He didn't tell them about himself. He didn't tell them his predictions of the future. He didn't speak of how powerful Sambalat and all the other enemies were. But he told them about the good hand of God in the past. And if God had gathered them, God would surely be with them. And that's what happened. The walls were built up. God's people were blessed. And Ezra's and Nehemiah's encouragements, looking back, stirred the people and no longer were they a reproach verse 18 so they strengthened their hands you notice that God's hands strengthen our hands for this good work if only we knew what God's hands do and have done more and more than our hands would be as God's hands are. They would be good hands. They would be like God's hands, godly. They would be gracious, giving hands. They would also be generous hands. Keep on giving. More and more and more, the Lord will provide and replenish. They'll guard others. They'll guide others. They'll be gentle and merciful. And they'll also be gathering hands. They'll want to gather others as much as they can under the sound of God's word and to hear of the good hand of my God upon us. Let's have our second hymn this evening. This is a hymn that reminds us of